Hi, welcome to Katie Wonders. This is Katie, and I wonder about a lot of stuff, especially in these days. Whew. Anyway, it's a gray Saturday in Chicago, and I've been laying on the couch all day long. It's one of those days where you wake up with a headache, and it seems like nothing is going to make sense except to sit on the couch with your dog and drink coffee and watch Netflix documentaries all day, which is pretty much what I've been doing. And this documentary uh, documentary series that I've been listening to is called Quick Money, Easy Money. Not a great commercial for that documentary. It's really good, though. It's Netflix produced. And I think in six or seven episodes, it takes on different um, ways that the money industry, from banks to payday loans. Um, there was just an episode about uh, the great maple syrup heist in Quebec. Uh, they're really good, and I find myself really um, amazed by them and kind of fixated on them. I can't stop watching. I can't stop knowing more and more. And in some ways, that's a little masochistic, I don't benefit from any of the things that have been discussed. And they are really talking about billions of dollars that in many ways have been either swindled from or kept from or taken from uh, American citizens. And so part of me, part of my question for myself today is I wonder what about these expose documentary style shows just makes me fascinated. What? And I can't be the only one. It seems like this is a genre of shows that has only increased in depth and breadth in the past couple years. And I think about all of the ones that I've watched from many, many on Netflix that are full-length actual documentaries to this series of um episodes that are all 75 to 90 minutes long. So I wouldn't call those full scale documentary movies. But then I think about shows on A&E like Leah Remini's Scientology and even things like Intervention and um, some of these shows that exist. And if you want to talk about uh, the regular networks, I mean, you've got 48 hours, um, Dateline, all of those shows are really about pulling back the curtain to reveal something, although I would argue that not all of them are existing to uh, ask us to question some of these major, major players in society that we think ultimately are on our side. I think this is part of what makes me fascinated by the bank expose videos. Whenever I can find them, I, I tune in. There's one on Netflix about Enron that I have watched probably 10 times, if that. And every time I watch it, I feel like there's something really satisfying about it. Not only am I fixated by the story and how many people were completely caught off guard, dumbfounded, um, 
led to believe that this was legitimate. But then also I think what I find particularly satisfying in these stories is that usually there's a reporting of what has happened to these incredible white-collar criminals who have, in some cases, stolen billions of dollars. And I use the word stolen in quotes because that's an editorial comment by me. Some would call it maybe savvy business practices. But nevertheless, um, we even see this in in feature films with the release not too long ago of The Big Short, which is now also on Netflix. Netflix seems to be really capitalizing. (laughs) Uh, And I guess we can ask a lot of questions about the use of that word as well. But Netflix seems to be creating a a niche for itself in this type of um, documentary reporting style. Let's, you know, pull back the curtain um, type of storytelling. So as I'm talking about it, I think I'm starting to dig further into what appeals to me, at least, about these um, shows. And that is that in some ways, it's a little bit of a mystery. Whenever we start them, we don't know who the bad guy is, who the good guy is. We only know the end of the story. Something terrible has happened to somebody. And let's start to work backwards to understand what the bigger cause is. There was a really good episode in this particular series on pharmaceuticals, um, big pharma, and the skyrocketing of um, generic, what what were, I guess it wasn't generic drugs, but um, it would be a drug that would be produced by only one manufacturer, And it would be for very, very specific things. Um, And it was a story all about Valiant, who um, was kind of the creator of, in many, many ways, that little dork Martin Screlly, who was made infamous for raising the price of this very particular HIV drug from like a dollar a pill to like, $3,000 $3,000 a pill or something like that, making that condition a death sentence for people who couldn't afford it. So I think in part, that kind of mystery setup of these exposés, it's fascinating to me. But the other thing I was realizing as I was watching them is that I don't find them satisfying unless justice has been done. Um, and I think in today's world... Uh, and I'm speaking specifically about the Trump world, um, that's going to be harder and harder to find. Although many, many of these um, shows demonstrate that that very idea might be a misconception. Um, When all of the Edward Snowden stuff was coming out, I became fixated on this. In fact, I've almost had to write to my local PBS station, because there was a wonderful two-part frontline expose on that entire situation. And it really calls into question whether Snowden is a traitor or a hero. But part of what was really hard to swallow there is that Barack Obama and his administration 
They did not come out the good guys, that's for sure. Whether they were the quote-unquote bad guys is probably debatable. Uh, and many would still say that he was absolutely the bad guy um, or the continued bad guy because George W. Bush was really, it was under his administration that um, that practice of the dragnet surveillance on regular American citizens started, uh, which led us to Snowden seven, eight, nine years later. Um, but anyway, I couldn't get enough of all of the Snowden stuff either, which falls into the same vein of what I'm talking about. So to recap, it's kind of the mystery setup. There's kind of a questionable good guy, bad guy, but there's always someone that's a whistleblower or um, bringing to light dirty details, which I find just a fascinating action in and of itself. How do we, how do those people come to the point where they realize that something has to be done? In the Snowden example, it was obviously Edward Snowden, and his intent has been double questioned by everybody 10 times over. Obama called him a traitor. Uh, I call him a hero. I think sitting there and realizing what you're looking at and that it's a conspiracy and then realizing that your own moral code is telling you to do something about it, I think that's just a fascinating um, process and a human process to examine. So I'm all for that. Um, but that's the truth in a lot of these bank cases. It's reporters. Um, in the case of Valiant, it was actually short sale analysts who could see what was happening and started um, blowing the whistle. So they were not technically whistleblowers. They were outside of the, of the administrations that were doing criminal things. Um, in some cases, it even goes as, as high up as senators or Congress people or uh, people who are in that world and can see the corruption happening and do have the power to stop it. So I find that that part of the whole thing fascinating as well. But then what I was realizing in this maple syrup one that I just watched that was had nothing to do with my life. It was really all about a Canadian industry. Well, I shouldn't say it had nothing to do with my life. It translates into something that has to do with my life but it was so so much a Canadian thing that was fascinating too but what I realized in watching is that what's really satisfying for me the thing that really hooks me um and I think this is best demonstrated in the the Enron movie I think I think that one is called the smartest guys in the room which is a wonderful way to spend your day. In fact, I may go find it right now because it's just worth watching as much as you can gather it in because it starts to give you a framework for what to look at when uh, you're just reading the paper and there's so much corruption going on around you. You can start to piece together or at least begin to ask questions, the right questions of major institutions in society. But the thing that I think I love most about that um, movie and that story is that justice was 75% of the way served. Uh, these big bankers, hedge fund 
uh, managers, all of these people who profited. I mean, they literally sold that company out from under the employees who expected pensions from it um, and destroyed so many lives. But they did get theirs in the end to a certain degree. They show congressional testimony where these CEOs who have gold-plated private jets are sweating in front of Congress. The, the punishment is never enough, but there is always some reckoning that happens. In some cases, it's very satisfying. In other cases, it's not at all satisfying. But that piece of the story to me is the most compelling, um, which makes me wonder why I'm not a prosecutor for someone, because obviously that's something that I just love it when people who profit off of the um, pain and suffering of others that they cause, when they have to answer for what they've done, oh, I love it so much, especially when it's white collar. And I think that's maybe why I'm drawn to these more financial things as opposed to, not as opposed to, I'm also drawn to some of the more uh, socially driven expo exposés, things like the unveiling of the prison industrial complex, the discussion of laws being systematically racist or discriminatory toward uh, certain groups of people. Those are interesting to me, but they don't give me as much satisfaction. Um, I think because there hasn't been a reckoning yet. And also because in the financial stuff, I can look at that and I'm clearly totally divorced from it, except for some of the effects that I might feel that it's going on. Whereas when we look at uh, institutions that are, are setting laws that are uh, discriminatory uh, and that I abide by or whatever, I become much more part of that system. So uh, I love watching others get theirs, but I'm not so excited about the idea of what others getting theirs means when I'm part of the system. Not the system that determined it. I have, to be clear, I've never made a law that has discriminated against anybody. But I, from a standpoint of privilege, I know that I benefit from those systems in some ways. And there, the picture of justice is much more muddled for me. Um, and I'm sure in other cases, it's more muddled for other people. So I can sit and watch these financial things because I don't have any skin in that game except for the consequences that I might be suffering that I don't even know about. So I think it's par partly for me of answering the question of what's going on. Whereas when I hear that our own laws in a city, state, or country are set up to privilege me almost by omission um, and to disprivilege uh, people, other people categorically, that is, uh, that feels very scary to me. And I think that's the um, exploration of white privilege that many of us are um, 
some of us are starting, others of us have been on for a long time, and we're just trying to come to terms with it. So anyway, this is what I've wondered about today as I've laid on the couch, and uh, I would I never say I'm unproductive. If I'm laying on the couch, I feel like that's productive. Whether or not you agree, that's up to you. But this is what I've been wondering about today. And I think I may go, I may go back to finish those and to find some other documentaries and to dig into just the ways that people are operating in this world that I have, I have no knowledge of. They're beneath my surface, and I would never know otherwise. Um, I do like to live in reality, where I know other people like to escape reality. So that's probably part of the deal as well. Anyway, that's what I've been wondering about today. Thanks for joining me. Check back in. I'm sure I'll have other things I'm wondering about not too long from right now.